Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. So, when we come to verse 8, it says, Then the Lord, which is Yahweh, God, Elohim. Yahweh being the, the salvific title of God. Yahweh, Savior. Elohim, God above all gods. I was checking to see if we're going to get raptured because that would have been really, that would be a dramatic pause, right? I pause and poof, we're all gone. Even Larry, he wouldn't be able to read my notes. I think he's going to go with us. So here we go. As I read through this and I say the words, you see the translation, Lord God, I want you to thank Yahweh Elohim, Savior God, okay? Because from, from the moment we have cre creation, God is in the saving mode. I think that's brilliant. Then the Lord God planted a garden, and it's already created. So now he's, he's planting a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he, made, he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life. We have some symbolism going on here. He placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the Garden of Eden is where God put Adam. We're familiar, I think we're familiar with the story of Adam, the first man that he created, breathed life into, he made a little mud pie, and then he went, and he made Adam, and it did make that sound. <laughs> this is also where God placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and these two trees are very significant. Verse 10. <clears throat> A river flowed from the land of Eden, <clears throat> watering the garden, and then dividing into four branches. The first branch, called the Pishon, flowed around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. And for those that like gold, they're, well, we've lost their attention. The gold of the land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic, uh, or, yeah, aromatic resin and ox onyx stone <clears throat> are also found there. The second branch, called the Gahan, flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Asher. The fourth branch is called the, Euph the Euphrates. I don't know why that's hard for me to say. Verse 15, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. All the goodness in the garden is yours except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This one thing. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So God places Adam in the garden of Eden to enjoy everything with the exception, the one exception of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. It's a pretty minor limitation, right? Live in the glory of the Garden of Eden. Just don't eat this one tree. I think that there's such a great parallel that I didn't put in my notes, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. God puts us here on earth and he says, enjoy the glory of God's creation. Just don't sin. And what do we do? Well, I'll show you what we do. Verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. 
because he'll blow stuff up. I will make, that's going to my translation. As you know, you leave guys alone long enough, there's gonna be gunpowder involved and something's gonna explode. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> Burritos and gunpowder. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Men, that was your cue if you're sitting next to your wife. <laughs> then the Lord God, Savior God, it is not good for man to live alone. I will make a helper who is just right for you. I hope second service does better than you guys. They're like, yeah, she's all right. Oh, it's not just my preaching then. So verse 19, so the Lord God formed from the ground all of the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for Adam. So the Lord God, Savior God, caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs, closed up the opening. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. Verse 23, at last, the man exclaimed, Yeah, yeah, all right, that's it. The cherubim sing. He says, this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one looks like me. She's not furry. <laughs> she looks like me. She's my kind of animal. She will be called, whoa, man. Whoa, man. Because she was taken from man. You laugh, but you know that that's what it means. All right, verse 24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Because guys are trying to get their rib back. Now, <laughs> you know there's this, uh, yeah, no, no. I don't have time. I don't have time for jokes. Verse 25, now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. That's going to be important later on in the story. So here, here in the Garden of Eden, we have Adam and Eve. They have everything that they could ever need, everything they could ever want. Life is really, really good. Genesis chapter 3. Brent, are you just going to read? Yes. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Verse four, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, the woman was convinced 
She saw that the tree was beautiful, right? That's how sin looks. Looks good, looks good. And its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So Adam and Eve displayed, pardon me, disobeyed God and then they became aware of sin. As a result of their disobedience to God, they become aware of sin before their nakedness was not shameful. Back when he said, hey, woman, uh, not shameful. But now they felt the need to cover themselves. But there's even bigger consequences to their disobedience. It's not like, oops, now we're naked. We got to get some fig leaves and cover ourselves. Verse 8, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the what? Lord God walking in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? Adam and Eve, where are you? He, Adam, replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I just, this is an astounding story. The creator of the universe comes to walk around the garden with you and you hide from him? This is serious. I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid of you because I was, if this was written in Texan, it would be naked. I preached this one time and somebody made fun of me for saying naked, so it's naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, it was the woman you gave me. <laughs> Who gave me the fruit? And all I did was eat it. Adam blames Eve, evidently. Maybe it wasn't his rib. Maybe it was his spine. <laughs> Wives, don't gouge your husbands right now. That would be disrespectful. <laughs> then the Lord God asked the woman. See, this is why I say you should read your Bible. It's a lot of fun. Then the Lord God asked the woman... What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. So Eve blames the serpent. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, and he said, it was the rabbit. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals. Now, in developing our theology of who God is, we have a modern twist on biblical theology that is God is only a God of love. He is a single faceted God and he only does good and nice things. And that does not work with, when, with Genesis 3 when sin enters the story and there is judgment and there is a curse. And it is not the serpent who is doing the cursing. God is the one doing the cursing. Well, that's not what I believe about God. Well, you don't have to believe what the Bible says about God. You can make up whatever fruity stuff you want. But the Bible talks about God, the Lord God, 
cursing. <clears throat> you all right? Nobody walked out, so we locked the doors anyways. You can't get out. <laughs> the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility. This is important. I will cause, God says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head. The offspring of the woman will strike the head of the serpent and you, the serpent, will strike at his heel. Do you see what's happening there? It's actually pointing towards the coming of Christ. Then he, Yahweh Elohim, said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire, this is my, the New Living Translation is my favorite translation of this verse because all the other ones are ambiguous. And you, I think, you know, the, the, the scholars, whenever they're writing, you know, making translations, they go home and they're like, sweetheart, we've got to translate this, and what do you think? And they're like, so they all go back to their little meeting and they're like, let's make this ambiguous so nobody knows what it really means. The writers of the New Living Translation, they're like, whatever, let's just go for it. And so they put, <clears throat> I lost my place, and you, to, to Eve, and you will desire to control your husband. Men, eyes forward, don't laugh, don't smirk. <laughs> you fail. <clears throat> you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. It's probably a bad translation. Let's just go on. And to the man, God said, I'm kidding. It's not a bad translation. It's a perfect translation. Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, and the ground is cursed because, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, to the man, all your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. And this is the scripture where I blame Adam for goat heads. Verse 18, it will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain. Uh, but by the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Pretty bleak. You have Adam and Eve. They were created, placed in this garden where life was perfect. Then they disobeyed God. Sin enters this universe that God spoke into being. So now God takes it away. God cursed them because of their sin. But that's still not all of the punishment. Watch what happens. Then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God made clothing. This is significant. The Lord God made clothing, not from plants, but from animal skins for Adam and Eve, for Adam and his wife Eve. I just want to put it in there. To cover their nakedness. God said, we got to cover this nakedness with more than a leaf here. Verse 22, the Lord God said, look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take the fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Because remember, there's two trees. Then they will live forever in their fallen sinful state. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had 
been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashes back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Adam and Eve are removed from the Garden of Eden. So I pointed out to you, but then we take humanity out of the Garden of Eden. God kills an animal, sheds blood to cover their sinfulness, their shame. And worst of all, maybe not worst of all, Adam and Eve no longer have this close relationship with God that they previously had. Before Yahweh Elohim showed up in the garden and went for a walk and they visited and they had communion. Now, because of sin, they are separated and they do not have this close relationship anymore because God is a holy God and his holiness does not allow for sinful mankind to be in his presence. We should be alarmed at this point in the story. There is a separation between God and mankind. The relationship has been tragically broken. A relationship that has eternal value has been severed. Okay, so Adam and Eve, they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They're put out into the desert. I mean, how evil can it really be? Watch this. Turn the page to Genesis chapter 4. How far is he going to go? I was hoping to make it through Leviticus. Genesis 4, verse 1. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. And later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. So now we have Cain and Abel. You may know this story. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. Two hardworking boys. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. I can't let it go. He came to worship, okay? Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. He came to worship the Lord with his gifts, his crops. Abel also bought a gift, brought a gift. The best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. Again, looking forward to what is going to happen in the story of the history of God and man and the earth. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, the firstborn lambs, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. It's not fair. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. So this is the first time that we see God has a preference for how he is worshipped. I'm making a big deal out of this. This doesn't really contribute to the series, but it's just absolutely so important for where we're at in our Christian culture today that God defines what acceptable worship is, not you. It makes me crazy when I hear church people say things like, that's just the way I worship God. 
No, sweetheart, we don't have that latitude to worship Yahweh Elohim however you want to. He defines it and we obey. Was it really that black and white? Absolutely it is. God defines what is, what is acceptable worship, not you. God is under no obligation to accept your worship if you don't worship God in the way he prefers. Well, Cain brought his worship. You mean that would just, no, it's not fair. It's not fair. God makes the rules. We submit. It's kind of like when your kids tell you, well, that's not fair. Buy your own house, buddy. You can make whatever rules you want in your house. I'll tell you what is fair. Verse six. Why are, <laughs> throughout these two stories, God plays devil's advocate and asks obvious questions. You have to appreciate this. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. <laughs> like earlier, whenever he's looking for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, where are you? Of course he knows where they're at. Cain, why are you so angry? <laughs> Try that on your, on your spouse, I dare you. <clears throat> Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, listen, I need you to listen to this through the, through the text of Romans 6. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door. There's a mental picture that you should be terrified of. Sin is crouching at the door. I think some translations say of your heart. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Now, because we just went through the book of Romans, we know that Cain, like us, is a slave to sin. Sin is crouched at the door, ready to overtake us and control us, and it already has, and there's not a thing we can do about it. But God continues to warn Cain, but if you refuse to do what is right, if you refuse to do what is right, watch out, there's consequences to not doing what is right. Sin is crouching at the door. You can control you, but you must subdue it and be its master he can't, we know that because we read Romans. So what is Cain gonna do? Verse eight, one day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain, this man who just a couple of verses ago was bringing his, his offering in to worship the God of, the, of gods. Now he says, hey, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which, was, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. And Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. If God punishes sin, then he's a mean God. It's not fair. 
My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer, and anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord replied, no, for I, I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. And then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. Here's the deal. God banishes Cain from the land and from God's presence. Sin has taken everything from Cain. He no longer has any land. He has no family. He has no God. He has no home. Cain appears to have no value. Anyone who finds him is inclined to kill him. Cain is worthless. Brent, you're you're dramatizing this. No, no. We have to understand how fallen we are because of sin. Brent, why why such a dark story? You thought we were going to do the book of maps and it was going to be all fun. We went from God's glorious creation of the universe to Adam and Eve and Cain's tragic sin. We went from perfection and glory to being kicked out of the presence of God, taking all the good things away, no home, no family, no God, no place. We have a significant need for salvation. I think that this contrasts where God begins humanity, the story. Siri, you interrupted. We start with the story of perfection and we fall to separation from God. We need salvation. We begin with the extent of God's glorious creation, the entire universe displaying God's creative power in the plants, animals, planets, stars, and even humanity. And then the story of Adam and Eve tells us how sin entered all of creation, all humanity forever cursed. Even the ground is cursed and all of God's universe is contaminated by sin, all of it. If you're not sure of the effects of sin on humanity, the story of Cain and Abel tells us how sin causes, because it's easier for us to say, well, that was, that was Adam and Eve, it doesn't really affect me. Well, then look at Cain's story. The story of Cain and Abel tells us how sin causes mankind to be destructive. Well, Brent, I'm not destructive. Let me finish my sentence. Even to the people you love. Cain didn't go out and kill some stranger. He killed his brother. He didn't go out and kill some horrible person. No, he killed a man who was worshiping correctly before the living God. He just killed him. Sin causes mankind to be destructive, even to people you love. And you know that's true because you know you've done destructive things to your spouse, to your children, to your aunts, uncles, cousins, siblings. You know it. You know it. See, we we say, oh, no, I'd never do that. But sin is no longer crouching at the door trying to control you. Sin is all over you and sin controls you. From right, from right here, this is why I do the book of maps. This is why we're doing where in the world. 
from right here, this place on our tiny blue little planet in the Garden of Eden, from the first man and woman, the first brothers, mankind has needed a savior. You are not unique this morning. I say that with a double edge. You're not unique. Since Adam, we have needed a savior. Cain proves that we need a savior. Humanity hasn't changed. We're still terrible. Man's greatest need is not food, although I might, you know, you know I preach that direction. <laughs> it's not. Mankind's greatest need is not food, it's not water, it's not relationships. Mankind needs an all-powerful God who is able to make holy what sin has corrupted. We need a Yahweh Elohim. All of creation, especially mankind, needs a God who, even in his holiness, can somehow remove sin so that the relationship between creator and creation can be restored. Mankind has no power to make himself acceptable in the presence of a holy God. We need a savior. Creation needs a savior. God's creation was perfect. The sin of mankind corrupted it. From the Garden of Eden, all creation, all mankind is in need of salvation. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We would like to invite you to one of our service times at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.